Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with a little bit of music on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the music is Trouble Don't Last, says Prophet Brian Cam. We'll leave that where it is, but the music is good anyway. So, <laughs> Trouble Don't Last. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> appreciate you being here this morning. God bless you. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning. <laughs> Amen. Good morning, Ms. Lynn. Good morning, good morning. Amen. It's on time. Testing one, two, three. You guys can hear me, right? I'm mic'd up on today. <clears throat> Greg, good morning. Uh, this is um, Brian Crank Cam. It's just one guy singing, but he's got. It's not a group. Brian Carn, excuse me. What did I say? Brian Cam. Brian Carn. No. Brian Carn. Got a good voice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> I, listen, I just show up. Everything else just happens. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Appreciate you being here today. Some people might be traveling today. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Amen. Welcome everybody here in the church as well too for Sunday school. People are still coming in, so getting settled in. Angie, good morning. I would say Arlen, good morning, but he's right. Well, I can say good morning anyway, but he's over here. morning. Amen. Amen. Good 
Appreciate you being here. Amen. Ah, Mr. Gaines and Delia, good morning. Amen. Amen. Hey, Brother Roscoe, good morning. <laughs> I turned my head for one second and whoop, there you are. Amen. Appreciate you being here this morning. Brian Karn, <laughs> Trouble Don't Last, amen. That's a uh, uh, very, very gifted music, very gifted singer. Uh, we appreciate um, uh, the uh, music being presented to us by our, our praise team. Uh, they give us music on Sunday mornings, and we appreciate that as a good lead-in to allow people to jump on with us while we get settled in for Sunday school, amen. So we appreciate you being here. And we still have people coming in, so we're going to keep moving forward, though, with announcements and things that we need to say before we get started with today's Sunday School lesson. Um, today, Pastor Gus is going to be preaching in church, and he actually has, for those of you online who are not able to come to church today in Akron, today's message is online, uh, Why We Are Not at Church is the title of the message uh, that Pastor Gus uh Recorded, and we will have that available here on the timeline following uh, Sunday school. It will be here online uh, following Sunday school. So we appreciate you uh, staying tuned for that. For those of you who are not able to come to church today, we do want to do what we can to provide a complete church experience for those who are uh, either sick or shut in or not able to come to church in here in Akron. But we appreciate you nonetheless staying online for that message later on, right after Sunday School. It will be available in the timeline. Please, as always, to remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, appreciate very much the uh, aspect of uh, uh, giving, uh, worship, uh, and giving. Uh, and that's what we want to make sure that we're prayerful as far as what we contribute and what we can do. We ask if you are interested in mailing your tithes and offerings to uh, our church, you do so at Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you giving that prayerful consideration as always, as we should be doing on many different things that we do. 
But nonetheless, we are um, here in church. We're going to talk about some things that uh, are quite apparent and evident here when it looks at when we look at the passage we're looking at today uh, about uh, what Jesus did for us. And we're still in the book of John, and I want to make sure that we give uh, give it uh, its due here. So. One of the things we want to look at here in today's passage in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19, where it's just a short section we're covering, and John has a way of recording this differently than what we've seen in other renditions in the gospel, uh, in the other, um, the fourfold gospel. Uh, he gives a very brief mention of what's happening here, and we kind of know what happens based upon what, what is taking place, but I want you to hear how when we look at this passage, this is the last triumphal entry uh, of Jesus. And what we're going to be looking at here is how different people responded differently to what was taking place. And I want you to understand that a lot of what you see here, I was having a conversation with um, my lovely bride yesterday about how we can look at what Scripture says in different areas too. We were actually in the Old Testament doing a a study and looking at how different people diff- respond differently to different stimuli um, when we look at uh, what's happening. And our world is doing the exact same thing. When people mention the name Jesus, what's the response that comes back from a lot of people? Some people will come back with adoration. Some people will come with knowledge of who Jesus is, but not necessarily declare him as Lord and Savior. Some people will come back and say that they hate Jesus. Some people will come back and say, you're a Christian. Why were you even talking about that? And we have to recognize that in this world that we live in, it is it has gotten to a point where spiritual wolf, spiritual warfare is fully blown. It is fully in effect. And I think that we need to see that even in how people respond to Jesus and know that the most powerful thing that we can do in any situation like this is to pray. Um, I really believe, and I you know, only because Scripture kind of implies this, is that when he mentions the word remnant about there's going to be a remnant of people within the church that are going to be actually carrying the banner for Jesus, truly serving Jesus, truly following Jesus, I really believe he means even today's church. Um, There's so much turmoil out there in the world today. The... um, about a hundred and over 150 churches, 160 churches in Georgia are breaking off from the United Methodist Church. Why? Because they don't agree, obviously, with the teachings that are going on presently in the United Methodist Church. There's all kinds of chaos, even within our churches. And that is telling because what's the one common denominator for members of a church, we all are fleshly. We can be fleshly. We can act out in flesh. And if we're not following what Jesus teaches us or how to, how to truly live for Jesus, you're going to have chaos. 
And so that is something that we need to be very, very conscious of today. Why aren't people going to church today? That's going to be Gus's message. He's going to share something about that later, but there's not one right answer to it. You can give a sub-answer and just say, well, if we want to conclude it, we have a lot of people who are negatively impacted by Satan. And they're blinded by the, from the truth. And they don't see the need to go to church. Or perhaps the church itself is not doing everything it should be doing to ensure people that they have a place to go where they can worship. But more often than not, it's because it's not so much what we're not doing. It's Satan keeping people out of church for different excuses, different reasons, which goes back to today's Sunday school lesson. The different responses that are going to be shown here in the text about how people respond when they see who Jesus is and recognize Jesus. What's going to happen with that? Okay, so that kind of sets up what we're talking about today. But I think that we as believers in church, and those of you online as well as those here present in the church, prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. Because we are not here to convince people of anything when it comes to God's truth. The Spirit has to do that. But we also need to pray for those individuals we know who don't know Jesus and make sure we're always doing that and doing it every day because it's going to take that kind of prayer to break through the strongholds in the lives of different people. Daily, fervent prayer for those who are lost. I'm very convicted with that. I really believe that that is what we can do because we're going to have all different kinds of stimuli out there that are going to be telling these people, you don't need Jesus. You don't need to come to church. You don't need to sit in Sunday school. You don't need to do these things because you've got this all by yourself. And that's what we're up against. That's what we're dealing with. And let me be clear about something here, too. Let's go ahead. We're going to get into the text. I guess let's start the Sunday school lesson here. But I want you to understand something, too. You have to. This is the words that we're reading are God inspired words. I'm going to challenge you to think that. Even John, as close as he was with Jesus and the relationship, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I don't even think John understood everything that was happening here in this text that we read. He's writing it down because he's inspired to write it down. But we can kind of infer this based upon the responses of the disciples as we get further along. They were confused. They didn't know what was happening. Do you understand that's exactly Jesus Jesus wanted to make sure that they realized what was going on after all of these events had taken place, not before. So we need to see this for what it truly is. So let's go ahead and get started here. Thanks for allowing me to do that. I'm just kind of thinking this through as I go. But we really need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to 
be prayerful for those individuals who do not know Jesus and stay in prayer for them and don't stop. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to sit now quietly and hear you speak to us through the power of the Spirit. Again, Lord, not my words, but your words. We thank you for your loving kindness and your presence. Lord, we need to, first of all, just say, give you the praise and glory because you saved me. Those who know us, who know who you are, you saved me. And I thank you that you chose me. But Lord, we do lift up to you those individuals who do not have a relationship with you. Those people who are on the fence. Those people who aren't sure. Those people who are totally blinded. Blinded by the cares of this world. We lift them up to you, Lord, and give them to you in prayer that you indeed will reach through to them. That they make a decision to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you for your peace and encouragement, too. In a world that's very busy, Lord, sometimes we have to be unbusy so we can hear you speak to us. And we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 12 through 19. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. And we have got, like I said, a short passage today, but it's loaded with content. This is about Jesus making the, it's called the triumphal entry. We can argue about it being how triumphal is it really. It's a recognition that Jesus is Lord. Uh, He is the Messiah on earth. But we know that there are people there in the midst of this crowd who are ready to kill him. We can liken this in some ways to what what, uh, David was going through. When we read the Psalms, we know that David was being constantly uh, chased and hunted down by Saul and his men. Basically, it's kill him on sight. That's the you really think about what that represents, if you're being chased constantly, what can you do other than turn everything over to the Lord for your protection? And that's exactly what Jesus is dealing with here, but he recognizes what's going to happen. He knows what needs to happen. And so this is just one thing that needed to be done. Let's read the passage, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19, and... Let me focus so I can uh, go ahead and go over this properly. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Let's start at verse 12, John chapter 12. Amen. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey colt. Donkey's colt. Verse 16. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. Now, look at this very carefully. John is writing this for our benefit 
And that includes himself. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Verse 17, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Okay, that's John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. And we need to understand that there is, we knew that this was going to take place because we had said in previous readings here the last couple of weeks, when Lazarus was raised, everybody wanted to come and see this Jesus and what he had done. And they were gradually coming. And the timing was pretty good because, of course, you know that uh, the upcoming festival was approaching as well, too. So all of this was be, uh, now taking place in a big crescendo of people gathering together. And Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy that had taken place. What prophecy are we referring to? Let's go back first to John chapter 12, verse 15. Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey colt. Please go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah 9. It's really important for us to see in Scripture, and people will try to argue, well, the Bible isn't relevant. Oh, it was... You know, it's just a, a bunch of stories being told. It's all of the, you know, this and that and whatever. That is foolishness. And honestly, anybody who says that, I mean, have you really read the Bible or are you just kind of just spouting off and saying something because you're too lazy to go into the Word and look at it? And that may be the, that may be the very reason. You know, you can't insult people who, <laughs> when they sell you something like that. You can just tell them, look, I'm going to point to you this scripture here and this was written well before Jesus came whether you want to believe it or not, and then you can come back later and say something. Because why would a king be riding on a colt? Why would a king be riding on a donkey? Zechariah 9.9 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king, king in capital letters, by the way, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. A very brief mention, nonetheless, of exactly what Jesus was doing to fulfill prophecy. And that's the reason why he did this. He didn't do this because he needed to receive accolades. He didn't need to do this. He didn't do this to receive, well, yep, I'm the one who raised Lazarus from the tomb. He didn't do it for any other reason other than to fulfill prophecy. Because it's necessary for these ties to be made and done to show that Jesus is the chosen king, the one who has indeed going to later be crucified, die, be buried, and then will rise from the dead 
And that's what we need to understand. How important is it for us to say the complete message about salvation? How important is it for us to recall some of these things that we're talking about? Well, we have to be complete. And the message about the gospel is very, very simple. And yet, for those who don't really pay attention to Scripture as they should, it can be very complicated because there are people out there who just choose not to get into the Word. Why do you think that is? Do you think Satan wants you to get more and more knowledge of what the Word says? Of course he doesn't. But why do we need to include the fact that Jesus had to rise from the dead? Turn to uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. There is no one who can save themselves. Amen? Now, some of people would say, I don't need saving. I don't need saving. Well, you're dead in your sin already. You don't think you need to be saved. That's fine, but that's another lie from Satan. And I think that that's what Satan does. He gets people to not get into the Word and start studying and reading. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I'll read part of verse 8 to lead into it. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. And that's what we need to see here. And this is true for anyone and everyone. Now, the people who were celebrating at the time of Jesus' triumphal entry, they didn't have the benefit of this scripture. But they recognized who Jesus was based upon the turn of events. They believed because they saw his miracles. They believed because they saw what he did. But let me tell you something. People can be very fickle. We have a bunch of bandwagon jumpers when it comes to faith. When things are going well, when things are going good, when things are pleasant, when it seems like everything's breaking your way, we've got a bunch of people who will say, oh yeah, oh yeah, Jesus did that for me. But what happens when stuff that isn't so good starts happening? We can have bandwagon jumping. Of course, we hear the term bandwagon jumping when we talk about a winning team and a losing team like in football or baseball. Everything is great when the team is winning, but when the team is losing, oh, they're no longer my favorite team. Well, that's the same thing for Jesus, too. You know, we're going to have a bunch of bandwagon jumpers here in this crowd that are looking at him coming into the, into the triumphal entry when he's coming back through. We're also going to have a bunch of people jumping off the bandwagon later thinking he's going to be the savior that takes over everything, right? We don't need the Romans anymore. We don't need this. We don't need that. And when he doesn't do that, they're going to turn against him. And they'll say, crucify him. That's bandwagon jumping to the max, isn't it? Because he's not doing something for you, 
because he's not doing what you expect him to do, because he's not doing the very thing that you think he should do, well, bump it. I don't want him. And we need to understand this is why we had the conversation, my wife and I, about how people are very sometimes fickle and sometimes very, very impressionable and sometimes people just don't really focus on what's most important. We were talking about Balaam, the prophet, a prophet of God. And God was trying to speak to Balaam constantly. If you go back and look at Numbers chapter 24, 25 in that area, God was trying to speak to Balaam constantly about doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. But Balaam had a love of money. Loved money so much he couldn't be obedient to God. And it was his lack of discipline, lack of focus on the Lord. I mean, he heard the Lord clearly and the Lord was speaking to him. But he was so blinded by greed and the desire for more money. He could no longer be an effective prophet for God at the end of the day, and he was eventually killed. Our flesh, more often than not, gets us in trouble in our relationship with the Lord. And so we'll look at these people later, and then I'm just going to surmise that the multitude there, they had just seen what had happened with Lazarus. They had seen that Jesus had brought him back from the dead. But it won't be too much longer where some of those same people will be saying crucify him because he didn't meet their expectations. Let's get back to the text because it's tempting to keep going and veering off, but I, yeah, I'm just trying to go with what I'm, I'm hearing here. So let's go back to the text. Verse 12, The next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. This is almost like, when, if, it's almost like Mark wrote this. This is just a summary of what happened. He, it, and this is partially why, because John was giving this to write down. Because I don't even think John understood completely what was happening. Verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it. Fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. So Jesus began his last week on earth by riding in Jerusalem on a donkey under a canopy of palm branches. And some people throwing their clothes and everything else on the road as well, too. Crowds hailing them as, his, as their king. And... Notice that we're still back in this thing about timing. Jesus had the right timing here. Pick the time when the most people are coming, the most people are seeing what's happening, the most people are recognizing because the festival is going to happen very soon. Passover is coming. Everyone's coming in and rushing in to meet him. He healed Lazarus. Of course, they had the dinner things. The events were happening very quickly here in the text. And now we have all these people who are getting together. And we haven't even gotten to what the Pharisees were saying. We will get there. So bear with me with that. 
But he wanted all of Israel would be gathered at a time and a place where huge crowds could see him and that everybody would know that the mission of Jesus was unmistakable. This is what was taking place. And Palm Sunday is the equivalent of what is taking place here. We recognize what Palm Sunday is. That was marking the time of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, but the people who were praising Jesus at the time still had the wrong idea about who Jesus was. They still hadn't, they still didn't quite know what was going to happen next or how things were going to be done next. They thought, many of them thought, that he would be the national leader that would restore them to their former glory. So, that means, and that includes the disciples, they weren't aware of the prophecy involved. They weren't aware of what Jesus' mission really was. The prophets had told, foretold what Jesus would do. But they weren't aware of that. And so what happened, this is what I mentioned earlier, when they recognized that Jesus was not going to restore the kingdom the way they thought, they turned against him. Oh, people are so fickle. Fickle people. And guess what? Let's include ourselves in that. Let's include ourselves in that. Because we have flesh. Because we are born in sin. Because we indeed have selfish desires sometimes. Sometimes we turn against Jesus too. Sometimes we will say, well, you know what, Jesus, because you didn't do anything that you said you were going to do, I am not going to pray to you. I'm going to just forget about it and I'm going to leave it somewhere else. Yeah. Hurt yourself in the prospect of saying, well, I'm, I'm going to show you God. Now, that's not meant to be humorous at all because we're fickle people. And there are people who have actually walked away from the faith. Supposedly walked away from the faith. You have to understand something about salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. God is always going to have your soul in his very hands. No one can snatch him out of his hand ever. But we have to understand something. We have a lot of people who play act and say they love Jesus and know Jesus. People who are pre preachers, people who are pastors, people who are supposedly in charge of churches, people who are, uh, have been elevated to pastors in different churches and turn around and say, you know what, I don't really believe in Jesus anymore. I don't believe in him, and so therefore I am not going to do this anymore. In fact, I'm going to become an atheist because I don't think there's a God. Yes, it's that extreme. We have to understand something about what's going on today. That's why I said earlier, truly in churches, there is going to be a remnant of churches that are loyal and following Jesus. 
because we have a lot of people in churches. I don't know if this is going to lead into your message or not, Gus, but a lot of people are walking away from churches because they see this confusion. The very people who are responsible for leadership and teaching the truth about Jesus, they're not emphasizing the word at all. They're only emphasizing their own feelings. The people who are having these high expectations of who Jesus is and what he's going to do, they're going to be disappointed because he's not going to do the things that they think he should do. So, why is it that the disciples, even the disciples, go back to verse 16, John chapter 12. And John writes this, his disciples, and that includes him because he's a disciple, didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. And you have to understand that God in his own way, through Jesus, he has a way of teaching us. But not all of us learn the same way. We learn that in school, right? There are kids that learn in different speeds. They learn different methods. There are some kids who are very bright, but they've got ADHD. And they're very, they're very gifted. They can still, but they had to be taught a different way in order to retain and now go forward with information. We all learn differently. Well, Jesus is showing us that the disciples had to learn a special way to do what they did after he left. After he indeed, indeed did go to glory. Remember when he breathed on them the Spirit and they were fully enlightened and knew or remembered everything that was told, everything that was said, everything that was done, and they had the full knowledge of the Scriptures that led up to when Jesus would come and what would happen. But they had to be taught in that manner to do what? To go out mightily into the world and preach the gospel. Remember, every one of them except one would be martyred for their faith. You had to be strengthened. You had to be buoyed up. You had to live in in such a manner where you knew that you were going to be eventually crucified or yourself or murdered for the faith. And there is going to come a time, obviously, in the future where some people will be martyred for their faith. We know about that because it's in Scripture. But you'll be at the point where it won't matter. You're going to give of yourself. You'll do so willingly. You'll do so convincingly. I'm not going to ask for a raise a hand, a show of hands online or otherwise. If you'd be willing to die for Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the faith. Because that would require some kind of strength. And we know that people being fickle 
might change your answer. I'm not trying to start something. I'm just saying. We just have to recognize that we have a responsibility as believers to continue to make sure that we're telling people about the truth of Jesus Christ through the gospel, through the news, through the word, staying in the word. We have a lot of people who don't read the Bible, and so therefore they are just subject to anything. Tell them anything and they'll do it. Okay. Think about how God has led you to this point in your life right now. Think about what God has done to get you to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. I know what he's done to me. I'm a late bloomer, 26 years old. And I know what I did before, and I ain't proud of it. And I know what I did up until that point, but I knew I needed Jesus at that moment at a specific time and place. Notice how time is, is relevant to everything here. Jesus did this at a specific time and place to maximize the effect. Jesus brought us to a place where we acknowledge Jesus with the maximum effect over time that we knew we needed, needed a Savior. Let's go back to verse 17. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That's a big deal. They were telling others about what had happened. What are we supposed to be doing? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Share the gospel with other people. Talk about who Jesus is. What an honor it is to be able to proclaim the good news about Jesus. It's an honor. And they were doing this very thing. They were talking to other people about Jesus. They heard about Lazarus. But we also know that they were very fickle, very shallow commitment. Some of these same people I love the comment here. Devotion based only on curiosity or popularity fades quickly. Why is that? Because we're fickle. When LeBron James won the championship here in Cleveland, I mean, he could have been elected mayor, he could have been elected whatever it was at that time, right? It, it, it was a very, very... Um, resounding event in the history of Cleveland sports. Well, fast forward to today, his team got swept out of the playoffs. Four straight losses. And everybody's talking about, well, he doesn't have it anymore. He, he might as well retire. He should retire because he sure didn't act like somebody who, well, he's 37 years old. But we're fickle. We want winners. We don't want people getting... It's bad enough to lose in the playoffs, but getting swept out. Pretty definitive loss. <laughs> but that's what I mean about how things can change very quickly. 
Because that's how we are. When Jesus has done so many things for you, do you forget those things and get mad at Him when things don't go well? And by the way, you're allowed to get mad, be angry, but sin not. And you can question God all you want to and talk to Him about it. But understand something. God doesn't change. We do. We need to pray about how we shouldn't be so fickle. We need to pray about how we shouldn't be so reactionary. We need to pray about being focused on Jesus more than we are on the events of this world. The events of this world have been foretold. Everything that you're seeing taking place right now from the debauchery, from the um, sexualizing of people, Is this not much different than Sodom and Gomorrah? I don't think so. We're we're talking about the same types of behaviors that are taking place. But we don't focus on that. We focus on how we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, need to step it up and keep talking about Jesus and praying for those people that don't know Jesus to turn around. Because only God can do that. Only God can do that. Will all of them turn around? No. But it matters if one does. It matters if one does. One. Of course, we'd love more than one. But that should be our focus. Jesus is the example of how he completed, was in the process of completing his mission. He was in the process of doing the very thing that he was called to do. The very thing that he was sent to earth in human form to do. He was fulfilling his mission. And we need to see that and understand that. But, let's go back to the text. Verse 18, that was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. A lot of people believed in Jesus because they saw the signs, the miracles, the things that had taken place. But what does he say in the text when he's talking to Thomas? You have believed because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen but still believe. And at the end of the day, it was God's goodness that prevailed in this whole situation. His goodness paved the way for me to say, Lord, you're my Lord. You're my God. I believe you were indeed raised from the dead. I believe you are Lord and Savior. Because the blinders came off and you see the truth. And that's what we want other people to see too without necessarily having all these wonderful fancy things happen to them. Do we believe in Jesus because we 
recognize his comfort and we have very little? Or do we believe in Jesus because we've got a million dollars in the bank? Well, I don't have a million dollars in the bank. Some do. But we need to recognize that it's His very presence that we need to be looking at for what He has done for us. He, did, he put in the work. He put in the effort. He went to the cross. We haven't done anything. All He wants us to do because He loves us, all He wants us to do is believe in Him. And John was trying to process all of this, I'm sure, at the time when he was a witness to it. This is before he wrote this. Now let's go back and look at verse 19 because this is the end here. and We recognize that there were clearly was an opposition. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there is nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. That's right. They had lost their authority. They had officially lost whatever authority they had. That was something they would never get back. And understand how big of a deal that was for them. They had lost whatever power they had to convince the people. They had lost whatever power they had to challenge Jesus now, speak about, you know, try to get him to trip himself up, say things that were inaccurate, because they had knowledge of the Scripture. But they had lost all authority. And, but we have to recognize that Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew exactly what would happen. He knew exactly what was going to take place. And it almost makes you wonder, were there Pharisees there in that group that turned it around after they saw what happened on the cross? And when he rose again. Well, that's only speculative. But the one thing that people could not deny, even those who tried to cover it up at the end, was that Jesus came from the tomb. He rose from the tomb. And no, they didn't steal his body, but they had to lie about that. He's the only one who rose from the dead on his own. And all those palm branches that were being thrown after he went to the cross, all those people who were shouting, praise God, were they shouting later? Were they rejoicing later? Were their expectations met? No, they weren't. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. But we know, we have the benefit of knowing that Jesus had to do what he did for our sake. Had to do what he did for our sake. He was our perfect sacrifice. The Lamb, as John the Baptist mentioned, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had to do what he did. 
So yes, this was a time of rejoicing. This was a time of looking to the Lord and saying, thank you, Lord, for what had happened, for showing yourself, for fulfilling prophecy. Because that's for our benefit too, fulfilling prophecy. But we need to make sure that we as people are focused on the grand purpose, God's will, what He desires for all of us. And that we don't turn from Him because things don't go our way. Because things don't go the way we think they should go. How presumptuous is that of us? We're blessed beyond measure. We're blessed because we can hear and sit and speak about God's Word. Not to prolong this, but it brings to mind something too. When you have a heart for Jesus and you look at people around you that you see almost every day, like when you go to work, it starts to tug on you a little bit. The people that don't know Jesus. I would love to be able to go to my job and just start preaching. I know I can't do that. But I know what I can do. I can pray that God sends people to me and starts asking questions about Jesus. That you can do in the workplace. So we need to make sure that we're moving in the Spirit at all times and always being ready to speak when someone asks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given to us. Thank you for sharing your word to us and even sharing, Lord, through your word that even the disciples at that time were just kind of taking things in and didn't completely understand everything that was going on. But we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, for the wisdom that you impart to us that we do understand. But we also understand, Lord, that we are in our flesh a lot and that we need to come out of that and come more into fellowship with you, listening to you, hearing you speak to us, being obedient to your word and to your will. Help us, O Lord, to stay focused on what you would have us to do now. And we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for keeping your promises too. Bless us at this time, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We appreciate you being here. Uh, God bless you. Take care of yourselves. Stay tuned online for Pastor Gus's message about why are we not in church. <laughs> Amen. And there's good reasons for that, but um, hopefully we covered some of that today too. Take care of yourselves. God bless you, and we will see you next time.